WGN Radio. I'm Riley James. If you were listening to Soul Radio in the 70s, you'll remember that. The main ingredient, rolling down a mountainside on RCA, got to number 7 on the R&B charts, 92 on the pop charts. That was July of 75 on Soul Train Chicago that Leroy Phillips strolled onto the set with a backpack loaded with the main ingredient's latest album, Rolling Down a Mountainside, which he presented to the host Clinton Gint. Yeah, made billboard. I think I've still got the picture. And Leroy called us last week, and immediately John and I both glommed onto him and said, you got to be a Monday night guest, and he agreed. So, Leroy, thanks for joining us. Yes. I appreciate it. Yeah, as I, as I say, I uh, I remember well that picture of you on Soul Train uh, giving out that main ingredient album. But I want to go back <laughs> a, a lot further than that, all the way back to uh, the first time I'd heard of you, I think, was you were promoting, I think you were with Kent, and it was like 1962, and one of their labels was Belltone, and you were promoting a Jive 5 record. Was that you? Well, no, you really... Now, that's history. <laughs> well, it was. And, of course, uh, Kent, they had started in 62. And what were there, like three employees beside the owners, and you were one of them? Yeah, now, uh, Richard Stams, the disc jockey from uh, WGES, right. him and a guy named uh, uh, Bert Loeb convinced Bill Berman uh, Bill Berman was a magnet in the in the uh, in the uh, hardware business, uh-huh. and they convinced him that he should go into the record distri- distribution <laughs> because Richard was very popular, and that he would play the records, and uh, he would have no trouble getting labels. Well, it wasn't that easy, <laughs> but they had convinced Bill Berman that it was that easy <laughs> until he found out that it wasn't. <laughs> but the Jive Five, my true love, yeah, that was one of the first records that I promoted back in the day. Yeah, it was a great, great record, and I, I remember then you worked hard as heck on uh, Holly Gully time, and that didn't make it. But uh, uh, thirty-one labels, and uh, I guess uh, Bert had been at M and S before that distributors. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, what were some of the other labels that Kent was distributing? Uh, we didn't have but two or three. I, I mean, they, uh, the, the bell tone, yeah. uh, the Jive Five, Bobby Turner, Tossing and Turning, and they had a couple of little local labels. I can't mm-hmm. remember the name of them because we didn't have but a couple of hit. Oh, we had a record by, uh, uh, I got a crick in my ear, uh, Oh, what was the guy's name? He was on that same label. He was on, I think he was on Bell Tone. Okay. Not Bell Tone. He was on, uh, 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 there was a Jive Five and Bobby, uh, Tolson and Turning. Right. Bobby Lewis. Yeah. And, um, uh, this guy's name is eluding me, okay. but he had a record out. I can't hear you. I got a crick in my ear. <laughs> I've so never heard on, it. Uh, Bobby Goldsberry. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Now. Uh, and we didn't have many more uh, known labels. Oh, I mean, right. they were so, you know, unknown. We never did get a chance to get the major ones that they had hoped to get. Yeah. Know? 
Yeah, I, I I knew they they were doing some interviews with Bill Berman, and he was bragging about his thirty one record labels. And I thought to myself, other than Beltone, I don't know if I can name any off the top of my head. So I take well, don't feel bad. I worked, and I can't <laughs> I can't name any of them either. That's funny. Now, did you go from there to United? Uh, yeah. No, I went to uh, from there. Uh, yeah, I went from there. To, uh, uh, he got me a job at uh, United Richard Stamp, yeah. which used to work for WGES Radio, which was yeah. later on became WZON, which was located over at uh, 2812 West Washington Boulevard yeah. in this house. And uh, he used to broker time, but he did so well that the station was owned by a guy named Dr. Dyer. Uh-huh. And Dr. Dyer hired him. Uh, and gave him a full-time position. Well, he was getting broken time for Mal Benson. Mal Benson was the Lena's uncle. And how they got into the business was is that uh, there were no black distributors, and uh, he told the record company that if you want me to play your record, you've got to uh, let my nephew distribute it. So that's how United Record Distributors came into existence. Oh, that's great. Ernie and George Lena. And later on, the two sons, Billy and Tony Lena. Yeah, and they had they had labels as well, like Wonderful. They had some great stuff. Yeah. Uh, now, George ran that part of the business. He, he opened a wonderful record, which was on the second floor of a United Distributors. Uh, that's where Michael Jackson recorded his, the Jackson Fire recorded their first record upstairs in uh, George's studio. Because E. Rodney Jones and Purvis Pan was managing them, and they brought them down there to George and told George that we got these young kids uh, that you really need to sign. And George says, well, no, that that little kid is a uh, novelty. His voice going to change, and my my first decision is my last decision, so I'm going to take a pass. So then uh, Gordon Keith signed them to Steel Town Records, and they had a record Mm -hmm. call. I'm a big boy now. And uh, they uh, recorded it down down there at 1827 Michigan up at George Lehman's studio. Well, the uh, the leaders weren't the uh, first people, of course, to pass on the Jackson 5. Didn't Curtis Mayfield also say, well, I got five stair steps? Oh, yeah. There were five, five companies passed on them. Yeah. Yeah. No, no uh, one was. Uh, Warner Brothers, I think, Atlantic, Columbia, a lot of the majors yeah. passed on them. And then Bobby Taylor kind of championed their cause. Yeah, yeah. The, like I said, I think I'll tell you a story. It's very, very funny. They were uh, opening act for Bobby Cooper's, uh, Marshall and the Shylights, and I don't know if the Temptations or some other major group was on there. And then uh, they were upstairs in the dressing room, and they heard all these noise down there, so Bobby Taylor, so what in the world is going on down there? And then uh, Marsha told him, well, man, that's the little kid from Gary, Indiana, down there. So he said, well, i got to go down here and hear these kids. So he went down there, and they blew him away. And he got on the phone and called Barry Gordy. And Barry said, no, nah, same situation. No, nah, I don't want to be bothered. You know, his voice going to change. And i uh, got to have a chaperone for the kids that's that young. And no, nah, thank you. So Bobby said, Barry, before you say no, 
at least listen. And Barry Gordy listened to them. And, uh, like I say, as the rest, he then bought the contract from Steel Tower for $25,000 yeah, yeah. from Gordon Key. And then, uh, like I say, the rest is history. Now, Battle Ross, uh, a lot of people think Battle Ross discovered the Jackson 5. Not a chance. Bobby Taylor discovered them. Now, how Battle Ross came into the picture was, is that back in those days, what Diana wanted, Diana got. And if you wanted to book Diana Ross, they say, yeah, you can have her, but you've got to piggyback to your kids and we're trying to get up off the, yeah, right, send them on, send them on, I don't care, but we really want Diana Ross. Right. So she got to play the London Palladium and the Ed Sullivan Show and, you know, New York Madison Square Garden and all those kind of places. And they piggybacked uh, on Diana Ross's back and that's how they began to, you know, get... Uh, get famous. Now, she did help counterpart them in the stardom, but she was a long way from discovering them. Yeah. Now, you know, it's interesting you mentioned Al Benson, and I should have put that together because I remember he was Arthur Leaner, and he was doing that Sunday night preaching and teaching gospel show. And I guess when yeah, uh, GES yeah. wouldn't let him do uh, sell time on a religious show, he became Al Benson and said, okay, it's secular. And... I, <laughs> I should, should have uh, put that His together. real name was Abigailina. Right, yeah. I was, and then he changed the name to Abigailina Benson. Yeah, and Al Benson, of course, every everyone knew Al Benson. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. United was such a big deal and uh, for so long, and they had so many, many labels as far as, uh, as, far as that goes. And uh, I think that... Uh, that I had a picture of you somewhere. You went to Nashville. It was like uh, Excello Records and all. They were opening Woodland Sound Studios and had a big soiree. And uh, you were you were there. That would have been '68. Do you remember going? Yeah. Uh, the funny story about that is uh, they all got us tickets to uh, go to the Grand Ole Opry, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we went. We were like, you know, the Grand Ole Opry is like. <laughs> <laughs> go to get tickets to the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah. They line up early in the morning to late at night to get in the Grand Ole Opry. But Excello had bought uh, about 10 or, uh, 10 or 20 tickets so any of the guys who wanted to go could go. And we went. We were going first to go uh, to make fun. And we were down in the front row and we were hollering and screaming and <laughs> yahoo and yahoo. And the guy said, they got front row seats, and they enjoying themselves beside it. You know? <laughs> so that just made us start yelling more. You know, but I, we enjoy, I enjoyed myself. Well, I know that the Avons performed on uh, on WLAC in one of those events. Because, uh, in fact, I'm going to play an Avons records because I know you promoted it. Uh, that was on Excello, and that was just a great little sound. But there were there were so yeah. many, so many United uh, labels that, uh, and Ewart Abner worked there probably long before you. Uh, but yeah. weren't there many other luminaries who walked through United over the years? Oh yeah, uh, uh, there was um, uh, the Americans used to come down when they was in town. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bobby Taylor when he was in town, Ed Townsend. I was just trying to remember some of the ones. Tell it like it is. When he was in town, they would come down there. Aaron Neville uh, yeah. to the distributorship. Yeah, Aaron Neville. Mm-hmm. But I have a story. One of my uh, best. 
members of United and RCA, the, the record that I think about mostly was the record called Oh Happy Day. Oh, sure, Edward now, Hawkins. They, they had, uh, uh, they were from the church choir yeah. in Northern California. They had no idea about what was going on. All they knew is that they would go to the convocation every year, and then when they go to the convocation, everybody would have an album but them. And they say, when we come back next year, we're going to have us an album. So they started selling dinners and uh, flavor and whatever they could to raise sure. money sure. Uh, so that they could record an album. Now, the uh, after they recorded the album, uh, one of the guys took it to uh, one of the radio stations in Oakland, and then the uh, the janitor who at night he would put some music on to uh, you know I guess make him pass the night away, and then he told the program director next day, I heard this record by a group called. Uh, Southern California, Northern California. They wouldn't even Edward Hawkins singers then. Right. Uh, they've called Let Us Go Into the House of the Lord. But somebody suggested that they turn it over and play the record Oh Happy Day. Now, that their manager, a little uh, gopher, was a guy named Lamont Bitch. Uh-huh. And Lamont called me, and he had sent me a couple of copies and said, Mr. Phillips, we were told that if anybody could get us some play in the Chicago land area, that it would be you. Mm-hmm. And we've got this record that we just recorded. I said, well, send me a couple of copies and we'll see. But at that time, I'm thinking if you hear one choir, you've heard them all. <laughs> so uh, he called me back and said, did you get a chance to listen to my record? So I told my secretary, I said, well, get, the, get that record to that guy sent up in California. And uh, he, she got it. I put the record on. It just blew me away. So I got up out of my seat, and when I was used to be a gospel DJ named uh, Bob Weaver out of WBEE Radio and Harvey, mm-hmm. I got up and went out to WBEE and Harvey, and he was the first one in the city to play that record. And when I got back, they said, Bob Weaver been calling you all morning long. Says the phone ain't quit ringing since he put that record on. So then in Chicago, uh, like I said, Bob Weaver, then the next morning, I went over to WDON and Bill Doc Lee put it on. So I called Lamont back and said, well, send me a box of samples, because uh, from what I'm getting, I think you got a hit on your hand. Yeah. Now, how they came to become the Edwin Hawkins singer, they had no idea, like I said, about business. And every time somebody would call to make them an offer, they would call me and want to know what's this. They had no idea about publishing, none of that stuff. They was when you say green, they were green. They, uh, Lamont called and wanted to know who was this and who was that. And, uh, who was Neil Bogey or Bogart? You meant Neil Bogart? He said, yes. Yeah. So and Mr. Bogart, uh, want, uh, to lease our record and he wanted to give us $25,000 and 15 points. Now, exactly what is that? All right. So I explained to him what the deal was. I'm going to leave it now. Right. I'm going to leave I it. I went right. from here to Cincinnati to get the record played and, Again, it exploded there. Now, jobs beginning to come in, and uh, the uh, okay. Let the, me uh, let me after the church. Let me interrupt you here uh, uh, because uh, I got got to do something. But we will we will pick it up right there. 
No, it's not the 45 version of Oh Happy Day, but it is a live version of what became the Edwin Hawkins Singers in Church Singing It. And it's WGN Radio, and we are talking with Leroy Phillips, who was on the scene for that record, and a big reason it managed to become such a huge hit in the Midwest, though unstoppable it was. And so we left uh, Leroy uh, just coming out of Cincinnati, where it tore up WCIN, I'm sure, so we'll pick it up there. Right. Then uh, the job stopped coming in. So now, uh, when the job starts coming in, the pastor of the church says, well, they knew about the $25,000 they had got, that Edwin had gotten. So they says, well, no, uh, that money belongs to the church. And then Dorothy Morton's husband said, no, Dorothy Morton, with the lead singer, the record never would have been a hit if she hadn't a song. So my choir ain't going nowhere. Dorothy Morton's husband said, well, she's not going nowhere. She didn't get any other money. Right. So Edwin says, okay, what happens is he stood up in choir and says, we've got a lot of jobs coming in. And uh, Reverend, whatever his name is, said, you all can't go with us. And Dorothy Morton's husband said, you can't go with us. So I'm going to start the Edwin Hawkins singers. How many of you all want to come with me? And half the choir raised their hand. That's how the Edwin Hawkins singers came into existence. That's that's a and great story. Yeah, I, I heard on one interview with uh, Edwin Hawkins that he said one of his influences was Sergio Mendez, and I always uh, always liked hearing that. But yeah, I heard uh, Dorothy Morrison claim she had been influenced by James Brown. But uh, what a mm. what a great great record! And you know, I think the only other time they charted, and I don't even know if they got credit for it, was they they backed up Melanie on a, on a record, Melanie Safka, and I'm trying to think of which record it was. Right. Yeah, lay down candles in the rain i think but yeah yeah that's a that that's a great great story now you left um in fact i was going to play uh, uh a couple other things like a william devon because i know you went to rca and uh, at, at magic but i was just going to tell you about yeah. how that came about this is so strange uh that record we had put in the goodwill box uh, after it spent on the cell for so long in the uh, sample room, to clear the cell phone, we take them and, and put them in the Goodwill box. <laughs> now, a guy in, in Milwaukee named Dr. Bob. Oh, I loved him. At WWA Radio. He was the best. Uh, he called me. He said, a smash on your hand. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, what's this? He says, be thankful for what you got by William DeBar. Yeah. So I asked uh, my secretary again, I said, let me see if we can find that record. And she looked in the Goodwill box, and there it was. So then I listened to it. It sounded a whole lot like Curtis Mayfield. So then people were buying the record in Milwaukee and paying for it because they was in short supply. So when they, when uh, Purvis Pan was the first one to play it here, and when I got back home, my wife said, Purvis been all night long about some record that you'd left over there tonight. Uh, something to be thankful for to God or something. I said, yeah, okay, I'll call him. So I called him, and he says, man, this phone ain't stopped ringing since I dropped the needle on that record. Now, the, we, uh, we sold 65,000 copies of that record here in one week. Uh, after fans, uh, 
Purvis was the first one to play it. And then he got better deal and to play it four times. And like I say, it just blew up. And uh, as I always say, the rest is it. And I know at Magic 75, that RCA convention in New Orleans, they gave you an award for breaking it. They said, you're responsible for that hit. No, you look for the history. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, another one that uh, I enjoy was the Evelyn Champagne King. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Shane. Yep. Now, they recorded her when she was 16. They released the record when she was 17. It became a gold record when she was 18. Mm-hmm. Now, what she got the name Champagne from is that her family says when she was a baby, she used to have, always have little spit bubbles. So that's why they got the idea of Champagne, because yeah. Champagne is always bubbly. Sure. So that's where they got the name Evelyn Champagne King. Now you did uh, you did another thing that didn't hit, but it was a a great little Chicago record, and I'm going to play that next. We're talking, by the way, to Leroy Phillips. If you have any Chicago memories, we'd love to hear them. Eight 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 seven six five five nine three eighty eight eighty eight R O L L Y E. I love Doctor Bob from Wawa. I got to ask uh, Leroy if he uh, was wearing the stethoscope te- when uh, when he'd come to call on him. Anyway, uh, I will mention, and it's probably important. And I do that if you don't get through dial again, we're not 100 percent sure what's going on with the phones, but we know something is But one out of every fifth caller gets a disconnect notice or something. So if it doesn't answer, you get the wrong message. Just dial it again. 888-876-5593-8888. Raleigh on WGN Radio. I stopped WGN Radio. Well, you're hardcore if you remember that. That's 21st Century Remember the Rain, 1975 on RCA. Got to number 69 on the R&B charts. No pop play. They had one other release, Child, that got to number 71, and then that was it for that group. But I'll tell you what, they would have never been on RCA if it weren't for Leroy. Leroy Phillips, we are talking to him. Why did they not hit? I don't know. They had, after a couple of hits, they... Just fizzle away. Now, how, how they got to RCA was they was on a local label and they was managed by uh, a guy named Dr. Sykes. And it began to, began to make some noise here in Chicago. So I called uh, Tom, Tom Carter, uh, Brother Willis. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to take the guy's name who was the uh, manager of the, 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 the vice president. A promotion. It was telling him about this record. Uh, these kids, uh, a friend of mine was the managing of, and that you should hear them. And so I sent it to uh, sent it to them, and right away uh, he said, "Yeah, we we want it." So then they uh, had me to go pick up the master from Red, uh, Dr. Pike, and then fly it down to uh, the present plant in Indianapolis. And uh, like I say, the rest they did. That one did pretty good, and then they had one other one. And after that, I don't know. You know, they just went a different way. I don't know what happened. They just fizzled out of sight. Yeah, I know Gordy signed them, but I don't remember anything ever coming of that other than no, that. it didn't. Yeah. No, they they didn't. And then I, I read where Alfonso Smith, who was in the group, died last year. So uh, sad to see about that. But I looked all through his obits and stuff, and never saw any other musical stuff. So I guess that was it. Yeah, they found them kids. Uh, they were living in the projects over in Henry Horner over on uh, Lake Street 
between Ashland and uh, Damon or Ashland or Le- uh, Ashland mm-hmm. in Western. That, there were some projects over there. That's, that's where they lived at, over in that area. Yeah. All right, somebody wants to talk to you. Kirkland from Flossmoor. Welcome to WGN Radio. Oh, uh, good evening. Uh, Leroy was one of my mentors in the business. That's great. And uh, you were talking about Dr. Bob? Yeah. Uh, that was going to relate a little story. The first time I met him, I, I was doing promotion uh, with a reliable promotion, Bill Lashley's company, mm-hmm. and he sent me to Milwaukee to see Dr. Bob. I was working a Jeffrey Stoner record. It was a cover of uh, Curtis Mayfield, well, Curtis Mayfield's song. So uh, he told me to call when I got into Milwaukee, and Bob would direct me to the station. And that was in the days when the stations weren't downtown. So I had to drive out near the outskirts of Milwaukee. Right. He said, look for the tower and just drive to the tower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and the station was back behind a restaurant that was owned by a former Green Bay Packer. Yeah. Uh, the restaurant was called the Left Guard. And he said, as soon as you pass the sign that says the Left Guard, he said, make a real sharp right. He said, it won't right. look like a road because yeah. it isn't. Yeah. He said, just drive. You'll come to a bridge. He said, don't worry. The bridge <laughs> will hold the car. the <laughs> bridge. <laughs> <laughs> But when I got to it and saw the bridge, I didn't trust it. I walked over it. Oh, that's to the, And I get to the station. The engineer opens the door, and I told him I was there to see Dr. Bob. So he takes me over to the control room. Bob's on the air. He's sitting up in the control room with a, a, a doctor's yep, coat on. Yep. And the stethoscope. He had, that, he had the reflector on his head <laughs> yeah. and a stethoscope. Yeah, yeah. And the first thought that hit me was, he does realize he's on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines. I have read that Kirkland so many times, and I laugh every time I hear it. But that was Willie Davis's station. It was West Dallas, yeah. Right. Uh, well, uh, no, 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 not then. Willie, Willie bought it much later, later okay. after that. Uh, that was when it was WAWA, and they were AM and FM. It, it was weird. They were AM in the morning. And then in the evening, right. they shifted to FM. They were probably the first uh, R&B station that was on FM. But they were so good. I mean, I, I know that the, oh, Chess, yeah. the Chess brothers had NOV and all that, but Dr. Bop, and I later found out how old he was. This was no youngster. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was... Uh, his real name was, was Hoyt. Uh, yeah. He I'm was trying to think of his last name. It was Hoyt something. Yeah. And... and uh, the station, that, that's the station O.C. White was on. Right, right, exactly. And, and yeah, Hoyt came from Columbus. And like I say, uh, even O.C. White was young compared to Hoyt. And, right. Uh, yeah, it was Hoyt Locke, I think was his last name. That's it, right. Yeah, but he was so good. And that line about, yeah, you do know you're on the radio, it's just classic. He always was <laughs> like in costume. But yeah, uh, I, I learned so much from Leroy. I I, I can't thank him enough. Wow! So where, where did you guys work together? Uh, well, we were we were contemporary. I, I was working for Warner Brothers. Oh. I was at Warner Brothers twenty five years. I, oh. I started three bagging. I was with the distributor Warner Electric Atlantic. I handled all three labels. Yeah. And then then uh, when Warner Brothers started getting so much 
of R&B product, they said you had to make a decision to go with one or the other. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. And at, at the time, it was, when you went to Atlantic's meetings, you went to New York. Yeah. When you went to Warner Brothers meetings, you went out to Burbank, California. <laughs> all, all the movie stars on the lot yeah. and everything. So it wasn't yeah. a hard choice. Right, yeah. <laughs> easy, easy decision. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I'm so glad you called. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, so, uh, so do, you, uh, do you remember Kirkland, Leroy? Oh, we talk every day. Oh, really? Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, it's not but a few of us left, and he's one of the ones that I, uh, I talked to. He has a wealth of knowledge about the business. Yeah. Uh, him and uh, I talked to uh, Emmett Garner, who used to promote Al Green, and I talked to uh, a couple of my DJ friends. Uh, Jim Rags and a couple of the others uh, that's still around, but so, it's not a whole lot of us. Uh, no, so many are gone. That, that's still left. Seems like every now, year we lose more. Yeah, I, when I went to see, I went there as a salesman, but uh, I couldn't. I didn't have anything to sell. So uh, the reason for that is. When Frank DeLeo or Skip Polk would go over to B.O.A. and Rodney Jones and wouldn't play their record because he says when the guy go down to WLS, uh, they won't play their record down there, so give somebody black to play to, to come over here. So when I was dead, that we had a sales manager named Tom Potter. I said, well, Tom, I know all of these guys from working down at United, so why don't you let me put some records in my, in my back and then on passing by, I can stop by there and uh, see if I can get them to play it. And the very first record that I got them to play was Everybody Plays the Fool Sometimes. Yeah. And that was another one. We sold 10,000, 15,000 records in one week. <laughs> now, I'm going Cincinnati calls and says, hey, we need somebody to come down here and help us. So then I got to go down to Cincinnati on Tuesday and try to do the sales the rest of the week. And now the uh, sales manager here said, wait a minute now, you all are taking him away from us. But uh, I said, all I want to do is work. And said, what do you want, uh, sales or promotion? I said, all I want to do is a job. But the president, Ken Glancer, said, no, you've got to make up your mind whether you want to do the sale or the promotion. And they were calling, the sales department was calling me at 6 o'clock in the morning and the promotion department was calling me at 8 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> want me to come over on that side. So the, what made me go with the promotion department, like I said, the sales department was right around here in the city. The uh, promotion department, you was flying to California. Yeah. You had an a unlimited expense account. You had all kind of credit cards. You went to all of the conventions, all of the meetings. So I figured, well, I think that's where I want to go. Oh, so yeah. I left the sales department and went over in the promotion department. And you were 1974 Regional R&B Promotion Manager of the Year. Yeah. Yeah, they gave you that award at yeah, Magic I had a good, I had a good year that year. Yeah, it was great. And that, that was a great little... Well, those conventions back then were so so wonderful. And the NARA conventions and all that is just a, just a fun fun time. All right, Johnny from Austin wants yeah. to say hello. Johnny, welcome to WGN Radio. 
Hey, Leroy, it's great to talk to you. I was a program director of a FM radio station in 1969 in Houston, Texas, called KRBE. It was before yeah. FM FM really came came of age, but uh, we were the first station in Houston when I was PD there to play the uh, Oh Happy Day by the Edwin Hawkins Singers, a record promo man by the name of Al Mathias out of Dallas brought a stack of records in one day, including that and Color Him Father by the Winstons, and we added Winston, those songs. Yeah. Now, it, it wasn't, I, I never got a gold record for it, <laughs> but, and, and it would have made it anyway, but I'm proud to say we were the first station in Houston, Texas to play Color Him Father and, oh, and Oh Happy Day. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I know Johnny. Uh, Johnny also worked at KYOK in uh, in Houston, Leroy, and it was so funny because they'd have like group pictures, and here's Johnny, this blonde haired kid with blue eyes, and here's everybody else on KYOK, and it's like who doesn't yeah, belong here? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, Leroy, did you know uh, any of the jocks or uh, Boogaloo George or Rick Roberts at KYOK? What well, I knew, uh, Rick Roberts, and then I okay. met him at a. Uh, Master convention. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. And and by the way, when you were with RCA, there was a song that we played on KYLK. It never charted nationally. It was called "Strip Me Naked" by a group called Love, Peace, and Happiness, or something. Do you recall that song? Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, we played uh, that. That came out uh, along with the. Uh, Another one uh, around the same time, there was a group called Faith, Hope, and Charity. It came out along, yes. around the same time that Love, Peace, and Happiness came out. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. It never did do yeah. anything, but uh, I, I remember it. Well, we we tried we tried to we tried to make it happen. It just didn't. Mm-hmm. And also, wasn't there the Nightlighters at that time with KG? Oh yeah, that was a great record. Do you remember that one, Leroy? Yeah. Uh, the Night Lighters? Yeah, KG, it was an instrumental. It was terrific. No, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, man. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was hot. And you'd, it, you'd know it if you heard it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we've run out of time, and I didn't even get to talk about Solar or Dick Griffey or the la- Whispers, the ladies. Man, we'll have to do this again, uh, Ernie. Anything. Uh, Okay, Leroy, and also I want to get Kirkland's number. So, Kirkland, call us back or I'll get it from you, Leroy. And, uh, Johnny, thanks for calling. I I got it. Okay, good deal. All right, uh, so we'll do it again. Thanks. All right, and I've completely run out of time. We'll do trivia next hour on WGN Radio.